Hey, good morning, fuckers. It's another day at the Daily BM. That's right. Uh, we are coming at you in the studio today, and we are ready to kick some ass and take some names, and let's do this. Mikey, what's up, fella? Hey, what's happening? Uh, same old shit, different day. Eric, what's up? What's up, man? How you feeling today? You know, man, I feel actually pretty fucking good, dude. Pretty fucking good. All right. Ready to do this thing. So we have some special guests uh, today for our show. We have the Fading Nemesis Band. They come at thefadingnemesisofficial.com. And we have the lovely Farah in here with us. Hello, Farah. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having us. <laughs> And I'm, I don't know whether to smile or be afraid he's going to kick my ass. It's uh, Jason Riot is in the house. What's going on, brother? Hey, what's going on, everybody? How are you guys doing today? I don't know about you guys, but he like, looks a little intimidating to me, man. Like, I'm waiting for him to pull out his Viking sword and, like, you know, cut, cut me down. You know? I, during the whole intro, I've, I've been, like, avoiding eye contact. I've been, I've been staring at Mike and then staring at the computer on the other side of the room. Like, uh... It's kind of one of those things where you look to the side and go, oh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to look at him. <laughs> I think he looks like a really nice guy. A lot of fun. <laughs> so welcome to the show, guys. Yeah, um, welcome, welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So I guess the first question would be is, um, how did you guys form as a band? Tell us that story. Fading Nemesis is a journey. If you don't mind, Jason, I, I'll answer that one. <laughs> oh, I think so. All of us are too scared to look at him. <laughs> We're all like this. Just <laughs> yeah, forget that there's a demigod sitting amongst us right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think Nemesis has been a journey. Um, I I personally used to live in the UK for about 17 years, and the music started. Uh, I, I think I started writing the music there. Uh, came back to the states about nine years ago uh, to Arizona. And uh, went into the studio with uh, Larry Elia of Mindside Digital. Um, we decided we were just going to do a demo, a uh, three-song EP, just see how it goes. And man, two weeks, we fucking killed it. And, you know, we established a relationship that I thought, this is what artists dream of, a producer-artist relationship. So we decided to just pursue uh, the record, making a record. And we started writing the songs. Um, it, it, it was a journey that I didn't want to rush. I'm, I'm not, I wasn't in a hurry. So I said, let's just write the songs as they come. So about a year uh, went by and we were writing and I met Jason. And uh, uh, one day we were just chatting and I, I heard him play the guitar and I thought, oh my gosh, she's like embodies the essence and the ethos of Fading Nemesis. So Thus, our uh, relationship began, and then um, we finished the record. We brought um, a couple of uh, drummers to come in, ended up using uh, Ben Anderson of Nothing More, um, and got this amazing record. Mm. So then we thought, okay, we got to take this thing, and we got we to give it out to the people. Right. And so uh, that's when Kyle and Chris came in. We asked them, and it was a, it was a great fit. So. Oh. Here we are. Would well, you say exciting. about a year ago, uh, we, the four of us were officially birthed as Fading Nemesis. That's awesome. So mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I don't know a lot about the record industry, but I'm assuming a lot has changed with the advent of like Spotify and iTunes and digital downloads and the whole social media movement. Does did that? So when you say that you got a record, did you go to like a record? Um, 
production company or did you just produce it yourself or what was the process? How does that work? Well, Larry Elia is a producer in okay. town in Phoenix. And so I had literally, I had literally just Googled best metal producer in the Valley. And I was, okay. I'd come back from London to Dallas, uh, to Texas where I was, uh, where I grew up and I just needed to get to the desert. Um, so his name kept popping up. So he has a production company okay. and I approached him and he, he, he would, be our producer basically so he's our producer so okay so um so then you sign a record deal with no, him or no not not no that that's not just like a that. contract we okay. we basically i brought him on to be the producer and uh we paid him a couple of cents and then, <laughs> then <laughs> <laughs> and then he gave us his killer record so that's awesome yeah so yeah. we co-wrote and jason larry and i uh did a lot of the writing so Mm -hmm. uh, that's really awesome. And so I understand you're also on tour now. Are you going on tour soon? Are you been on tour? Jason, you want to take that one? Well, sure. Yeah. So we just, um, so through this whole process, we were connected with a few other people in the business and we had this opportunity come up to uh, be on a couple showcases with Peyton Parrish. And, you know, if you're not familiar with Peyton, you can just Google Peyton Parrish and you'll see his millions of fans and followers. And Tons. How big his brand is. Yeah. And, yeah, he's definitely uh, got a brand for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, talk about a Viking yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I think, I think I've seen that song remixed like a hundred times. <laughs> oh, for sure. By different by different artists on uh, Instagram yeah, and TikTok. For, for sure. Mm -hmm. For sure. He's definitely got the social media thing right. down. And, you know, that's translated to... Uh, the opportunity for us to go out with them mm -hmm. uh, in in uh, August, we went out with them, and we yeah. had a, basically August. two showcases in oh, Texas nice. um, at the Echo Lounge in Dallas and at the House of Blues in Houston, and they went great. We had you know a thousand people one night, twelve hundred people the next night, and uh, you know if you if you look at our socials and statistics, you've seen that they've basically gone vertical. Since mm -hmm. then, which is really, you know, I mean, Farrah's the brand and, yeah. you know, she's on fire, songwriter, content creator, and uh, we've just been, been out there hitting the road. And, mm -hmm. you know, we have a few other things we're working on coming up. We're going to be out some in November and uh, with Saving Able. With Saving Able, yeah. And, oh, yeah. Oh, uh, you cool. know, they just released a song that is literally on fire as it's called Fire. And so, uh, you know, we're fortunate that part of our team is connected with their team. So this opportunity presented itself. And then we have a few other irons in the fire that aren't quite hashed out, but there's some exciting things on the horizon in terms of uh, bigger tours and things like that. So I was going to say, so you, when you're saying you're touring, are you just touring the, uh, you know, basically the continental United States, nothing like overseas yet or anything like that as well? We, okay. So he, here's, here's the thing you'll learn about us. And, and I think people will see about us. We don't uh, walk a, a traditional path. I'm in no rush to uh, do anything Did by we lose the books. Her? Uh, oh. If it makes sense, we do it, right? So the record just finished. We, lost we had these two her, shows. We're going to see how Saving Able in. goes. The goal <laughs> is to go global. The oh. goal is to go global. So we are, again, I lived in the UK for 17 years almost. So right. we're going to work that market. We're going to work, mm -hmm. you know, you, you kind of you kind of look to see where the response responses are happening. But our numbers are showing that uh, we're, we're getting huge hits 
in South America. We're getting huge movement in um, Northern Europe, probably a lot of, so, Mm -hmm. so we, are we following the numbers? No, we're following the people. So, so we are working right now in the pipeline. There is uh, the, the prep for European tour as well. So we are, we're, we're basically going for a global takeover. That's all this is. Mm-hmm. The, they're they're <laughs> coming awesome. your way. They're coming your way. The queen's um, going to take over, right? <laughs> so what part of England uh, were you, were you, did you uh, um, Lipton, live in? Ironically, uh, moved to London, to Kensington. And we moved to, I lived in Notting Hill of all places. And I, know where you're at. I moved there. People were like, have you seen the movie Notting Hill? I said, no, I haven't seen the movie Notting Hill. <laughs> so one day I watched the film and our flat, our front door was in the movie. So lived oh, really? in the for, for eight years. Um, and then uh, lived down in Kent, nine miles away from where Jane Austen grew up. So lived in a 350 year old cottage for the next batch of the eight years. I kept chickens, made rock, you know, went into London for rock and roll, came home and did all the cottagey things that one does in Kent. <laughs> so I have to sidebar here, just totally not music related so are you a football fan over there you know okay okay i gotta know right now because this this, hey tread lightly (laughs) so talk to me about cricket oh no (laughs) the the 24-hour game that never stops yeah Yeah. i know you're talking about it's no different than baseball we still always when i moved to the states people used to go cricket that's so long i'm like baseball that's so long longest game ever (laughs) uh, it is fun once you get to know it yeah, yeah. You get drunk. You get drunk at a baseball game here in the United States and you're like <laughs> passed out by the fifth inning. You know, it's like the game that never ends, you know, mm-hmm. but I didn't know if you were like a, a football fan or not, because I've been to Liverpool and I'm a Liverpool you supporter. Have. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, I, I didn't cricket was my thing, but then I moved to the States when I was 10 and then you right. go back. So it's basically you keep up with where you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm into American football as well. And I'm into, I, I'm in a, I have a son. So we, oh, okay. we you know, that <laughs> yeah. We, sports. So yeah. I, I, I'm going to give Papa a quiz on you real quick. What band came out of Liverpool that is like huge? Oh, fuck's sake. Jason, you take that. Oh, you, you, oh, you don't know. <laughs> I'm talking to you, English woman. <laughs> All right, Jason, let's test your knowledge. Okay. Well, uh, do, do we get a time frame? Like what era? How many are we talking bands? about? Uh, there's not there very many, many bands, bands that come out of Liverpool. Liverpool. Uh, there's oh, one major band right. that came out of Liverpool mm-hmm. and, um, I'll give you 10 seconds. I can just say a little buggy one. This is going to this is going to be easy. All right, the 60s. Or no, yeah, 60s. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Beatles. Oh, yes. <laughs> Penny Lane is in my head. <laughs> Look at that. Could you do the whole Beatles. song for us right now? You don't want to hear me saying it. It's like listening to Cats Fuck. All right, trust me. You don't want to do it. <laughs> I don't think it's that good. (laughs) Depends on the cat. (laughs) I was about to go somewhere completely fucked up, but I'm going to leave it alone. (laughs) Some things are just better left alone. Jason knew where this was going, and he was like, oh, shit, here we go. (laughs) He's like, shh. So let me ask you a real quick question. Back to music. So if you guys could open for anyone, for any show, like anyone right now, just like both of you, this, and we'll start with Farrah and then Jason, you answer second. If you could pick anybody to open for that is a big act, who would it be? 
at the present moment. Um, I think, oh, shit. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm throwing these trick questions out. Sorry. First the Beatles, now this. I know. Why do I have to go first? <laughs> come on, my You're on the West Coast. It's like that nine o'clock time. I mean, come on now. <laughs> come on. It's not even 10 yet. <laughs> okay. So I think at this very moment, um, I, I would, I would love to open up for asking Alexandria. Uh, I would love to open up for Bring Me the Horizon. Those mm-hmm. those guys set a new precedence for where music went just about 10, 10 12 years ago. And the reason um, I picked those two, I mean, ask me, okay, my all-time favorite, yeah, it'd be a different answer. But I think at this moment for Fading Nemesis, um, they have such a wide range audience. Um, they've got a very palatable sound for mainstream. It's heavy, it fits the genre of metal and hard rock and everything that people associate with heavy music. But at the same time, it touches the mother in the kitchen, you know, cooking and changing diapers. And so I think there's a great accessibility to, to those bands um, that I think it's new. It's fresh. It's been around for about 10 years, but I think I would want to attach myself to someone who actually takes me into the next generations into the average home, you know, because music is translatable and i think they've done a great job translating heavy back into daily awesome all right jason you're up who would it be (laughs) i think that uh i mean i have those similar same responses in terms of what you know ferris said about taking us into the next generation Mm -hmm. um from an exposure standpoint or a crowd that fits as well i mean look at look at like shine down Mm-hmm. I, I mean, yeah, they're killing sure. it, you know, and they've had yeah. that sustainability and they continue to stay current, but still stay themselves. And they're, they're, they're uh, adapting to the times. Probably they're probably one of the best ones adapting yeah. to how the industry's changed, how the fan base has changed, how to engage with their fans, how to see the next spark. I mean, I mean, come on, you know, I mean, they basically, basically made Jelly Roll who he is. I mean, Jelly Roll is awesome, but when he went on stage with them and did the Simple Man cover with them, that's when he went vertical. And now he's selling out Red Rocks and he's selling out amphitheaters and he's selling out, you know, I'd love to go out with Jelly Roll. I mean, that would, yeah. that would be amazing. Absolutely. You, you know, um, I mean, you know, Five Finger gets a lot of flack, right? But they know how to do it. I mean, right. they know how well. to do it and we fit well with them, you know, because, yeah. it, you know, when you listen to the songs, you hear the things that Farrah's writing about, you know, and she's writing about these things that connect to all people. And, and, you know, you get with these acts that are connecting to all these people in all these, you know, in these different ways. And so yeah, I would say, I mean, those are some of the ones that, I mean, obviously, you know, yeah, Metallica, right? I mean, everybody wants to go out with Metallica. Metallica. You know, you go out with Metallica and you're on a stadium tour. Who doesn't want to open up Metallica? But, you know, and... and They're like, Dad, Jason's like, Metallica, they're probably about fifth on my list, maybe. Whatever, no big deal. I mean, if they called today, you know, we're pretty sure we'd do it. Yeah, Lars Ulrich, he's a dick. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, We'll get get right back to you. Give us a few minutes. we got to discuss this. Make make sure it fits with our brand. Yeah, make sure it's on brand, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, I can hear Jason now on the other line. We'll call you. 
Yeah. <laughs> don't don't call us. We'll call you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you're calling us to open up for us, right? Yeah. <laughs> Be that guy. So uh, over the years, how do you feel like the, uh, the industry has changed? I mean, has it changed a lot, Jason? I mean, you guys both have probably been in the industry for a long time, right? No. Yes. So yeah. So yeah. how how has it evolved and changed over the let's just say the last couple of decades, even? Well, what I think is interesting is that the industry per se kind of hasn't changed. It's just the delivery methods have changed. It's still, you know, people who, I mean, you get internet sensation here or there, or you get, you, you know, I mean, streaming changed, surely changed the way everybody gets paid. Right. right? But um, it's still, you know, if you, beat the street and you market yourself properly. The biggest thing is if you have the songs and you have the music, the industry will open up to you. You know, it's still about who, you know, it's still about getting your exposure. You know, everybody's so interested in, you know, what's your, what's your Instagram doing? What's your, what's your streams doing? And that is a valid measure of the industry today, but from the roots of it, if you, if you have a product that's amazing, it will sell. You just have to find the right, right channels, you know, and, and it's, and it is easier to do it independently. That's what we're doing, right? We're independent right. and being independent is great because you control what you're doing and, and the internet makes the world smaller, which makes it easier to travel. You just have to have money. Basically. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and so you know, from that standpoint, it's when it all boils down and, 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 and I know, you know, Farah has a lot to say on this as well. It's about shaking hands, connecting with people that matter, fans or people that can help move you forward. So it's still kind of grassroots in that way. Okay. Yeah, I think I, w- I would definitely say that it's about relationships that in that sense that it hasn't changed. One of the major ways I think it has shifted is that now the music is now in the hands of the artists and the people. We no longer have to pay attention necessarily. It's not like the label's going to make us or break us. I think uh, that's why you have more artists that are, they're no longer afraid to try and go for it because back in the day, if a label wasn't looking at you, you just could act like it's not going to work out. You know, labels were gods. And so now I think um, with streaming and with being able to put your own music out, I mean, seriously, putting it out. And if people, the people like it, now the labels are having to pay attention. You know, labels are doing the chasing. And so that is a major shift. But as far as it is who you know, it's about relationships. It's about building those relationships. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, I used to, <laughs> if you want to call it managing bands, I used to do it in my twenties. And, um, and that was a thing, you know, we, um, I noticed as even in that time frame, and that was a while ago, uh, was that, you know, I used to pick up the Polestar magazine. I don't know if you remember that. I don't even know if the publication's still there, but uh, <laughs> that's how old I am, right? <laughs> I won't give you a number, but uh, anyway, so uh, I used to look those up and, like, you know, call clubs and call yeah. things. And um, you were right. I mean, if they didn't know you, they didn't want to talk to you. Yeah. Um, I remember uh, calling Skunk Records out in yeah. California and speaking right. with them, and they were actually 
they were the one label that actually they were small at the time because you know they were just now getting starting to get big with a uh, Brad, yeah. you know, singing, you know, with yeah. Sublime and things like that. But uh, I, mm-hmm. I very vividly remember them being super cool. Um, they you know they even came in on the Warp tour. Um, yeah. and they okay. basically, uh, let us open up for them, you know, uh, on the show, oh, on, on their, on their, on their show. So it was really cool. Yeah. And, um, but I've noticed that like with Napster and all that, that came out in my time frame, like the evolution of music, yeah. you yeah. know? And so it's kind of interesting that you guys are pretty much, you know, saying exactly what, you know, yeah. independent I mean, artists are no longer afraid to take that, that leap. We're able to drop singles without right. a label. You know, yeah. I mean, that in and of itself is a novel thing. And we're able to drop it just like a label would drop it, you right. know. And mm-hmm. so uh, it, it has put the power back in the hands of the artist. And I think given us access to be able to reach the most important part of the game uh, and the, pro- I mean, the, the process, which is the audience, the people, we can get to the people a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. So awesome. Yeah, I think that piggybacks my question that because, you know, back when they you had to buy cds and stuff you'd get right you'd go buy a cd for like maybe two or three songs that you heard on the radio um and then there would be a lot of other good content but there'd also be like a lot of filler songs yeah you know that that aren't that great and then you could tell that there wasn't much effort it was like we're just trying to get to a number yeah and i feel now with streaming it's almost like you can just release your best hits so to speak yeah um you don't you're not is that how that works is that you just you can release singles like you said and or do you still have to get like a certain number of songs before you can release you know, an album? You, or... you just you can start dropping singles. And here's the mm. thing: back in the day, you had maybe three singles that were dropped off a record. You stood out at blockbusters and you waited for mm-hmm. that record to drop. There was something about that organic process of wanting the music, and then you yeah. got this surprise gift of all the other songs that were on there, and it was very tactile. It was mm-hmm. an experience. Whereas now, I think the negative of being able to just drop singles is people no longer have the concept of a whole album. And I think that's, that's with fading nemesis with the record. We've just, uh, we're just about to drop it in in a couple of weeks. Um, We have a lot of singles on that record, but it's about the process of the record itself being Mm. written. It's a story. It's a, it's a, it's an experience. The whole record is an experience. So each single fits into the other. Um, And I think that's, um, you know, yeah, it, you can drop single after single after single after single, and then you can go to the next album and drop a single after single after single after single. But the record in and of itself, I think we really want to give value to the fact that we're putting out a record. Well, <clears throat> speaking of singles, I know Eric has a question, so we'll <laughs> do it when we come back. Okay, so um, we're going to go ahead and uh, take a quick exit into a single of theirs. It's called Never Be. We're going to give you a teaser. We're not playing the whole thing for you guys. Sorry. So take a listen. This stuff kicks ass, and we'll be right back. So, yep, that was Never Be. Fantastic, guys. Uh, Great tune. And uh, when is this release of this um, particular song, the full version? Friday, the 22nd. All right. So this coming Friday. Fantastic. Is any specific time or like midnight, whatever? Drops. Jason, it drops when? It'll drop uh, midnight 
So it'll drop nine Pacific on Thursday, okay. which is midnight Eastern. <laughs> yeah, right. And then, um, and that's on what platforms? All of streaming platforms, or all streaming platforms? Yep, Spotify, Fantastic. Apple Music, Deezer, Amazon, Pandora, all streaming platforms. Awesome. Yeah, Eric, you got a few questions uh, for the. I do actually, I have a Seattle slew worth of questions for you too. Um, first of all, I want to know, uh, every band has a band that they, they want to try to emulate, not copy, but that's a major influence on them. Do you two have an answer for me for that? Like who's your major influence be, whether it's just a lead singer or just a band or the whole thing combined. Jason, do you? Gosh, there's, there's, (laughs) it's funny. I've been playing my own music for so long. You know, I have to go back to my early influences, which I think most guys in rock, even even really young guys or a little more seasoned uh, pros like us, you know, have we actually share a lot of the same influences. So if you go back to, you know, things throughout throughout time, like from the fifties, whether it's Elvis, or from the sixties, whether it's Hendrix and Cream and Zeppelin, you know, 70s, Deep Purple and all those kind of bands, you know, 80s, obviously, you know, British Steel when that all came in, you know, Priest, Maiden, all these British bands. But but it's not just that. It's 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 things like Duran Duran or, you know, Tears for Fears. I mean, there's a song on our record, you know, that you see that's online now you know, a reimagination of shout. There's, there's so many influences. So to say, is there one particular band? No, there's a few things that changed my playing over the time, but I haven't played someone else's song in probably 15 years, you know? So one band, probably not. Yeah. (laughs) Too too, too many bands, kind of all those, all those ones I talked about. Yeah, I think I would have the same same response. I mean, the influences went all the way from The Cure to Duran Duran to uh, Black Sabbath to uh, yeah. ACDC, Kiss, you know. And I grew up in a Pakistani home where my father was a, a prestigious sitar player. So there were Eastern tones coming into my, my brain constantly. And then you crash it with this Western. So it's the East crashes with the West and creates what fading nemesis became, um, you know, in the nineties, um, it, it was vocalists like Sinead O'Connor who, but I was already Eastern. So I was doing a lot of the trills and a lot of the stuff. So we were almost peers at that time. Um, I, th- I think like Jason said, it's hard to just say one, one name because sure. there's, there's a whole slew of, of influences. All right. I have two more for you. They're real quick. Uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, when they go into the studio, whether they're recording a full album, a single, what have you, Hmm. they have a ritual where they don't listen to the radio. They do not listen to terrestrial radio whatsoever because they don't want to hear anything else that's coming out at that time. Do you guys have any kind of ritual like that? Anything that is like, you know, superstitious going into the recording studio? I I wouldn't say it would be superstitious uh, uh, kind of... um habits, but I think it's emptying my mind of, of things. I think just staying, I think all that is, is staying tunnel focused, just, you know, streamlined focused on making sure that 
all paths are open to write what you need to write and what needs to come out. Because many times it's a really magical experience. It's a very mysterious experience because you get into the studio and you, it's an atmosphere and, you know, guitars start being played and, and all of a sudden a whole melody will show up. And so usually uh, we write the music first and then I'm given the music. So again, we're sitting and looking at chord progressions and we're looking at, you know, what the song could feel. And then Larry and Jason finish that off drummers, you know, comes in and then I get to keep, to, to stay with the songs for a few days. And then I lock myself in. I'm a maniac when I lock myself in, into my room. <laughs> I like literally, I'm like, Put my food outside the door. I'm a maniac. <laughs> For real. I don't know why I keep envisioning For- the lady dancing on the chair with the rain coming out. She's a oh, maniac. I know. <laughs> Actually, like, pad and pencil, and there are piles of like scrunched up papers in the corner. There's crying coming out of there there's i mean it's an experience for me to write because i need to make sure i empty my soul out to write what i'm writing oh yeah it's not just oh i just went to a coffee shop and got my little latte and, and just you know screw you don't hang out at starbucks come on <laughs> it is excruciating to write i'm oh, wow. like uh yeah so but it's amazing because it, it's therapeutic you know you get it out and so i mean like never be for instance is a, is a song that was you know, it was burning me till I wrote it. And so, uh, you know, these are experiences. So and I, I have one final one for you. Um, every time we lose an artist in this world, yeah, you always like, there's always somebody that goes, man, that one really hurt. You don't know the person from anything, but you're like, man, that one really got to me. Like, uh, when Prince passed, yeah. I was like, man, that really hit home. I don't know why it just, damn. Yeah. Uh, is there anyone like that, that you think of like as the number one, like, man, I wish that never happened to that person. For me, it was Chris Cornell. Okay. Yeah, totally Chris Cornell, because his voice teacher was my voice teacher, and we were going to be doing some collaborations, and his voice uh, is so angelic to my to my insides. And so when he passed, it was such a shame. It was mm-hmm. just like, wh- how did that happen? How did it even happen? So Chris Cornell for me. Okay. Yeah. Jason? Yeah, I think for me... Um, there's been a lot of tough ones, but, uh, the one that still honestly probably hits me the hardest is, uh, is, uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan and, you know, Stevie Ray Vaughan and when, uh, when Dimebag passed, Dimebag was hard because Pantera was, Pantera was pretty huge, you know, um, for, for me and, uh, you know, that, that hit hard. And I mean, Prince did too. And when Sinead just passed and it's like, and there's so many, you know, I, mean, Dolores, Cornell, Cranberries. Cornell, Cornell I mean, there's passed. so many, I mean, there's so, so many. many Chester passed. I mean, we were Winchester passed. Chester's, you know, a couple, two, three years ago, we have some other friends that are connected <laughs> to Chester's family and they do a birthday uh, thing for him every year, uh, a fundraiser wow. for the family and things like that. In and Phoenix, that was kind of yeah. like, wow. You know, and, and he, he was from, you know, he lived here and, you know, in Phoenix. And so he was a big part of the community and, you know, those kind of things. It's like, wow. You know, it's just a shame. Yeah. Life is just so precious. You know, you know, one thing uh, to piggyback on that, you know, there are souls who lay themselves guts out in front of the world to, to, you know, they write and then you get to, to watch their journey. And then when that happens, 
it's still, you kind of go, okay, did that wear you out? Was, was there part of being so vulnerable to the world? Did that wear you out? You know? So I think, um, it's almost like a self-sacrifice that happens. You know, I, I know when I write a song and I go out and I perform it, it's, it feels like you're just laying yourself so vulnerable to the world because people can take you and you're theirs. You're theirs. They can do right. with you what they want. And that's quite a vulnerable space. So you realize those that have passed, what were they carrying? What were they carrying? Really? Do yeah. we know? You know? Yeah, and I think part of you know Ferris' writing process to 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 see it, which I have seen it recently. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's intense, you know. And when you listen to the songs and you read the lyrics or you listen to the lyrics, you know they mean they mean different things to different people. And but you know what we're what we're putting out, I mean, it's it comes from a very deep place. And you know, as as one of the songwriters on the music side, you know, my, my barometer is always, is Farrah going to be able to write to this? Is she going to feel it? Because we're not putting out, you know, cookie cutter kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. It's, right. it's accessible. It's catchy. It's melodic. Mm -hmm. It's all these things. But when you peel back and have it in your, in your ears and you're listening to it, you hear her bearing her soul to these to these songs, you know, and that's, that's why there's such a connection with her and the audience, you know, because she's writing from such a deep place, you know, and it's not, Man. it's not easy to bear your soul and, you know, yeah, writing guitar parts. I mean, it comes from inside, but it's not the same as the storyteller, you, you know, the, the weight of the storyteller is much heavier than the weight of the musician for sure. I respect the hell out of that. Yeah, hell yeah. I was about to say right on, man. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I got nothing. Damn, let's just end right now. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I don't know about you, Mike. Even I was just like, damn. I was like, I was waiting for you. Just keep on going, man. <laughs> I feel like as a fan, it makes it um, challenging these days because you know, you, you as artists, you bear your soul, and then you're on social, so you you see the life and it's almost like you feel like you get to know the person but it's one directional because you know they, they don't know you back so you can see sometimes when like fans have gotten really invested in someone and they're like oh my god we're best friends and the person's like i'm startled to see you because i don't even know who you are <laughs> is that something that you've experienced where it's you know the fans are just like like loyalists like completely in love with you guys and then it's just they approach you but you know, you, you're kind of like, I don't really know you. you know, does that make sense? Like it, it does. And, and yeah. it begins with, with our whole attitude about social media and about people. Mm -hmm. um, social media has always been very difficult for me because I am not a person who's going to sit in front of a, a phone and yeah. do a hundred posts when I can be out there engaging with mm -hmm. pe the people. So I will always falter towards, uh, towards going out and being with the people. And also, um, I think eventually I'm going to need to get security all the time around me, but I have no problem. I mean, I I've chosen to give people the song and people are reacting to it right. and I will never create uh, social media content that will not be me. 
And so when they feel like that they know me, I've given them a chance to actually have access to me. And so for me to judge them for that, uh, not fair. You know, I think there's an authenticity about the whole process for us that um, eventually will show through. I mean, mm. does it mean that every Joe coming off the street is going to be able to have access to, to me? No. What it means is that when someone smiles at me, I'm going to do the right thing and smile back. And if they say, you know, hey, I know you or act like they've known me, then I can just say, you know, actually, remind me again. Who mm. are you? You know, so there's a sense of just respectability when you engage with uh, with humans, with each other. Yeah. You know, well, what brought it to mind was is um, you know, there was a clip of uh, like Adam Levine, um, a girl running on the stage and giving him a hug and he just like loses it. Yeah. And there's a second cut where it's a Michael Jackson concert and a girl runs up and he like hugs her back and like, you know, as opposed to like getting security to tackle yeah, her and take her exactly. off the stage. Exactly. And it's, I can see both sides of the equation because you don't want somebody running up on stage, but then also they're like fans, you know, that's, that's yeah. who you guys perform for. Exactly. You know, that's, that's, it's, it's almost like a vicious circle sometimes because the more famous that you get, the less accessible you have to be as well. Cause there's so many people out there. I think so. Pink does it beautifully. If you mm -hmm. watch pink, her interactions with her, her audiences and her public, she's out there. She, her kids are, she's raising yeah. her kids. She is accessible, but she's not, you know, so yeah. I watching people like pink or, you know, there are a handful of others that are like mm -hmm. that. I can name one because I just, I thought you made me think of it and I'm, I'm going to admit something here. And Mikey already knows this. I think Eric does too. I'm not a hundred percent, but I have been, listing yes i'll admit to a little bit of taylor swift and uh, <laughs> and i've been watching some of her videos man and i'll be honest with you man um you know mikey actually got me uh like listening to her a little bit because i know he was a swifty so well, i was I like have, i have a daughter i mean i've got right two daughters that's how he wife. became one it's but she's got good music, man. I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, I had to sit there and go like this. I had to evaluate and go, oh, man, what kind of shit is this? Well, and then I started listening to it. And I'm over there in the car going, huh, da, 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 all right, yeah. It's a little catchy. You know, I was like, damn. I was like, man, she can write some. I was like, this, this chick. I'm like, I'm like, this chick can write some goddamn songs, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm sitting there. But I'm like watching her videos. You know, like on YouTube. Yes, I do watch her videos. And, um, and I was like, uh, wow, man, the way she interacts with her fan base. You know what I mean? She's always making sure she's making eye contact, smiling, giving them a wink, you know, or giving them a little wave, whatever. Just a little gesture goes a long way. And I'll tell you a quick, it, literally one of mine, and I'll admit this one too, it was in the 80s. So don't, don't judge me on this, but I always thought they were a killer band, even though they were Christian rock band, but it was Striper. I went to a Striper concert in uh, our in our in our city, um, and they were the main uh, link. And I was like right there and on the front, just pinned up against the rail. And Michael Sweet looked down at me, and he just went like, gave me the nod, like, "Hey, brother, I see you." You know what I mean? I was like, "Oh my god, he kicks ass!" Oh, I remember being sixteen, going, "Oh my god, Michael Sweet!" I'm looking at my buddy. I mean, he's like just as young as I am. We're going, dude. He just looked at us, man. I mean, so he goes. You start to think back, and so when you guys are on stage, do you feel the same way when you make eye contact with your crowd and you see them getting into your music? Is that oh, just yeah. kind of like, and you see them getting Absolutely. fired up? That's because that's memories, yeah, you know? Sure. Well, at the Peyton show, um, because mm -hmm. he did the Disney album, uh, it goes, you know, heavy. Um, mm -hmm. There were a lot of kids, a lot of kids at the shows, the two mm -hmm. Texas shows we did. Mm -hmm. And these little girls are, you know, dads are holding them up and I am just waving at them. And it's just, <laughs> so heartwarming because you you're touching lives mm -hmm. right you know i think country is one of the best examples of how you stay real uh as stardom rises yeah you, 
continue to stay authentic. I think countries are, country music is, has a really solid handle on that. So I think if, if uh, authenticity is number one for us, yeah, yeah, staying for real. Sure. For sure. I think that gives you longevity. <clears throat> yeah. Absolutely. If, you, if you're authentic, because I think fans like that, like they like, you know, they don't, they, they, they come for the show, but they also come for the experience and the people exactly. and, and the message and the story. Like I like, I like a lot of music that tells stories. Yeah. So, absolutely. um, and my playlist is pretty broad. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, you, we have the widest play. <laughs> I'm all over the place. So I, th- I thought of Jason's, uh, when he brought up Pantera, cause I could tell mm-hmm. like with your guitar, mm-hmm. you know, cause I love that heavy sound mm-hmm. that's just me mm-hmm. you know what i mean I, when i'm when i'm in the mood for it i gotta have that argh, argh, you know uh-huh. and you got that real crunch punchy in the uh-huh. face kind of guitar sound you oh, know what thanks, i mean man. so so uh you know it made when you said pantera i went ding the light went off <laughs> in my head i was like that's what i was thinking man yeah you know what Thank i mean you, so uh, i can definitely tell like the influences and things of like that you know by your style and the way you do things Thank but you, um yeah so that. i thought that was pretty cool yeah so i had a music video question <laughs> um when you guys, I saw your music video was amazing, by the way. Um, the ones you. on your website. Do you have to perform the song over and over again at every location, and then the editors <laughs> pick what they want to cut in? Yes. 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 Uh, uh, that's what I was wondering. And then, like, but, but is it? Are you completely like mic'd up and hooked up and singing it, or are you basically like lip singing it or just singing out loud? And then they're laying. Obviously, they're laying the track over in the studio track, but. I mean, it just looks, I've always wondered that because they do such a good job of cutting it together and making it feel like it's one coherent song, but literally it's like 30 different locations, Okay, probably over the course of days. <laughs> yeah, Even weeks. over and over yeah. again, lip syncing and air guitaring. And- <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I was wondering. I was just like, oh man, like how, how complicated does that have to be? Like know where you're at in the song know what to lip sync like make keep eye contact keep it intense like do the movements you know you gotta make sure that the drummer's doing what he needs to be doing and the guitarist everybody has to be doing it just perfectly or else something will look off you know something will look out of sync and it's just amazing like i was just wondering so basically you have to sing it over and over and over again <laughs> from start to finish double time because the slow motion you have to sing it double time so yeah. you have to lip sync oh, it double time and double move time. as if no shit yeah double time yeah wow <laughs> we were out we shot queen of blame at the dunes at uh buttercup where they shot yeah. star wars yeah and, yeah and it was 35 degrees that day i think mm-hmm. and it was misting rain and you saw what i was wearing my fingers and my toes were turning blue i had to do it something um, it was windy up there and i had to keep walking up and down we had another take so i had to walk oh up and back down the dune we had to make sure the shawl was all you know waving the right way yeah. and, and then a couple of times my rings flew off and the shawl flew off and by the end of it my lips were blue and we were just like, okay, we're wow. done. No, it's a well together put video, man, for sure. I mean, <laughs> oh, I was yeah, like watching it going, damn, man, that's like some good damn production, man. <laughs> so Thank kudos you. to your, your videographer and editors. That's one Thanks, thing about like me and Larry. You're looking at one of the editors right now because she's one of the editors. Larry shot it and then we edited you know, uh-huh. <laughs> That's one thing that's kind of weird is like, you know, when I was growing up, we had MTV and you and it actually played music television. Like you would watch videos mm-hmm. and 
now it's it's so much more the algorithm like throwing things in front of you that you think you might like as opposed to like just sitting down and being served music and videos you know i know that they have like you know spotify and like iHeartRadio, but there still seems to be a lot of like having to find that artist and then going into their page and like listening to their music as opposed to just, you know, finding it organically, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, it's good and bad because I've, I've run across a lot of artists that I didn't, didn't even know exist. Like, uh, Peyton was one of them, you know, I never heard of him. And then all of a sudden one time, uh, I like a lot of Viking stuff. So obviously Valhalla rising popped up mm-hmm. and then it just went down like a rabbit hole because the, the algorithm said, Oh, here, we'll start serving you up a whole bunch of bands that play this type of music. And it's, so that's kind of interesting um, how that works. But how do you get your videos out there? Do you, you have to run advertising with them? Or like how do you you know, serve it out to the public, public so people can see it? I mean, I know you have your fan base that you can post up there and then they start sharing and things like that. But yeah. is it good old, is it good old advertising it? dollars? You okay. know, there's, so you- there's marketing campaigns. We have a branding and marketing manager. And so when we... You know, we have a we have a meeting every Monday, and we talk about what the strategy is for this week and then and the next week's coming. You know, we have a lot of things that we're bringing to market over the next probably thirty to sixty days, and so we're hashing out. You know, this we're going to drop this here. We're going to drop that there. We're going to run ads here. We're going to promote the video here. You know, obviously, it goes through our social network. And then okay. we'll run, you know, sponsored ads. Yeah. And and those, you know, we set the demographics for it. And yeah. so what you're going so, for. Yeah. And then and then what kind of you are trying to bank on is getting the algorithm to mm-hmm. like your content. Yep. And then it starts, starts feeding up. it and starts analyzing, oh, you know, you, you know, Mike likes Vikings. So now yeah. we're gonna start showing him Viking content. Oh well, yep. here's our Viking video—not our Viking video, you know—but you know our 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 video. You know, oh, they like yeah. melodic metal, or oh, they like female-fronted metal, or they like you know. And so that's why our hashtags are the way they are. That's why our tags are the way they are. So is that what the, the label are. used to be responsible for? Is the marketing portion of it, and now it's falling more on the artists to market themselves until you get a label, or like, is there an ad? Is it advantageous to have a label anymore? Or to be independent. It, it depends. Like, you know, when you're independent and you are trying to build your own brand like we are, mm-hmm. you know, we, you can get to p- the people who know mm-hmm. what they're doing. And it's the same right. people that, you know, the label have the same kind of people or there's label services or, but they all take a piece of the action. Right. Right. So if you can be connected to people who already, know what they're doing and they're already doing it, but they're willing to come on board with you independently, which means they're not associated with a label. They're not right. Then Mm -hmm. you get that expertise and you just put your own money into it and you pay a fee basically to your, you know, you're paying a service, paying for a service to an individual who's invested in the team. Like, I guess, emotionally, if you, if you will, then, then it's like we're keeping all the money and we all work at least in our camp and fair can speak to this more as well mm-hmm. you know we're in the camp of like our phrase is are you in the boat or not right and if you're in the mm-hmm. boat you're in the boat and and we're all ra- we're all ra- raising this boat together kind mm-hmm. of a kind of a concept 
infer. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, going off that analogy, it's, it's, it's a partnership rather than working for some, you know, we're not working for each other in a way. Mm -hmm. It's a partnership. Everyone is bringing a gift to the table, a strength to the table, an asset to the table. And they are voluntarily wanting to be a part of it. And of course, there's payments and there's, you know, uh, salaries that happen. And, but the heart with which they give is quite authentic and quite unique, mm -hmm. quite devoted. I mean, there, it, there, it's a devoted space. And so you get a truer product at the end of it. You get a truer, proce truer process too. So, um, you know, the fading nemesis belongs to all of us that are in the fading nemesis family. And that family is growing. You know, it started with me and Larry, and then it came to Jason and it grew. And then now we've got a, a lot of other people who are now on board, you know, so. And I think yeah. too, the, one, one of the things that like, we're, would we want to be with a label? Yeah. I if, mean, yeah. If the deal, if is, the right. deal is right. right? If the deal we're is not right. looking for a record deal. Right. No. We're, we're, everything that we do is to build leverage basically, to, to bring to the table, uh, to have them want to create a partnership with us, which is yeah. completely different than a record deal. You know, a record yeah, deal, it's, we it's owe them not, records and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's not a contract we're looking for with a record deal. Right. It's a partnership. I mean, yeah. for the last 10 years, you know, I, I, ha I had a lot of experience with labels back in the early part of my career. And it was fine, but like Jason had mentioned, you know, they take so much of the cut of what yeah. the work that we're doing. And so if we can do it on our own, why wouldn't we do it on our own? Way too much, in my opinion. Yeah. If, it, if it hasn't changed, Jason, since my time, you know, 20, 30 years ago, I'm, I'm sure it's changed a little bit with the labels, but not quite as much. But it's a partnership that we're interested right. in. And if they can guarantee us a partnership, then yeah, let's see what can you do for us as much as we can do for you. It's an equal partnership. So yeah. yeah, if a good deal comes around, we'll consider it, we'll put it on a table. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the best, that's the best way to do things. I mean, when you're in a band, I mean, you're, you are a family and yeah. the second you start to not include someone else, like in the whole process of like you say, in the Monday morning meetings and, and then we'll round table it, you know, if something comes up that you got to let everybody have direct, like, you know, 25, 25, 25, 25%. All collectively together. That's a, a huge total deal. One hundred and fifty percent, because Eric can't do math. <laughs> 25, 25, 25, 25. I said twenty five four times. Five times. Yeah, the, we're we get ready to see that, a fight a, live on air. Here we go. Here we go. That, Here that, we fucking go. I do it. Wait, listen to this. Listen to this. This is coming from Mike, who just goes one hundred and fifty times because Eric can't do math. Well, I said it four times. No, you said it five times. That'd be one hundred and twenty five. Eric's on the ball. Today. Eric's on the ball today, man. Damn. I was waiting. I was waiting for the gloves to come off. Here we go. Round one, motherfuckers. It's all fight. rock and roll, motherfucker. So, so before, <laughs> we, before we go to the next This is segment, a rock show today. Yeah, no shit. Yeah, this right. is definitely a rock show. I'm waiting for the guitar to get thrown at somebody's feet, you know, like, you know, old poison and they just get in a fight, Bobby Doll and, uh, uh, and Brett Michaels. You ever seen those on yeah, YouTube? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, man, where they throw, he throws his fucking bass at him, dude. <laughs> the lights go out. They're like, sorry, the show's going to be, uh, be canceled for the rest of the evening. <laughs> you know, no, 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 because these two assholes are fighting backstage. Yeah. So, yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> too funny um so i want to move on a little bit to some good shit that i gotta ask before you know we wrap this up so i don't know if mikey and eric have some good shit questions and what i mean by that is some off the wall type stuff i'm gonna start simple 
So, Farah, and I asked Mike this same question. He didn't have an answer this morning. So, <laughs> what is your most useless talent that you have? <laughs> Whether it's tired cherries in your mouth, whatever, you know? <laughs> no, 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 I gotcha. Uh, oh, shit. My I, know, I know. It's a hard All question, isn't it? talents are useful. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wait, what are we talking about here? <laughs> Let's keep this PG, please. <laughs> useless talent. You know, you should ask Jason because he would probably know what my most useless talent oh my is. Gosh. He just rolled his eyes. <laughs> He's oh like, oh, gosh. shit, here we go. Um, my most useless talent. Fuck, I do so many useless things. Which one do I pick? <laughs> oh, that is such a difficult question. I know, isn't it? He hit me with that this morning. And I was like, I, I don't know. Like, Brad, what's your most useless talent? Living. <laughs> Living. <laughs> Breathing. You know, just, <laughs> that's pretty much my useless talent. I'm lucky I mean, to be alive, goddammit. I mean, since, since I had a little time to think about it, I was like, uh, my most useless talent is like, overthinking things and overanalyzing stuff because i'll just sit there and go like to the nth degree like almost like a chessboard like 15 moves deep and you don't have to go that far in life it's like just deal with in the present all right well my most useless talent is i have a nose that can smell everything oh, so God. if you make eggs in the morning right and you don't clean the dishes properly with enough soap and the sponge oh. i can Things smell eggy, and so I have to go and rewash it all oh, wow. the time after breakfast. I mean, that's a useless talent to be able that's to. A, that's the worst superpower ever. <laughs> I don't know. Super smelling, Jason. Super superpower what I, ever. What about you, brother? Oh man. Uh, <laughs> stop it! <laughs> I'm trying to think of something that's useless that. Yeah, see, you can't say me I, or Eric or Mike. Everything, every, every, every talent has a purpose at some point. It's <laughs> helpful at some point, no matter how useless it is. I mean, it's honestly, it's kind of a, a mix of some of the some of the things that have been said. You know, I know that I get like because I control the back end of the data and everything that we do. I'm like a data <laughs> nerd. I'm always like, I mean, yeah. it's not useless. Eventually, it has a use, but it's like I'm like, oh. Baby, look, we get, she's like, oh, I don't need to know any of that right now. She's like, she's just, oh, no, 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 I don't need it. Five minutes ago. She's like, I checked out like after you said statistics. And that was like the first thing I said, like the fourth word in my sentence. Right. And then, I mean, honestly, the, the small thing I, I relate because, you know, growing up in the, in the South, things get stinky real quick. And so I will not, uh, Drink out of a glass before I smell it out of the cupboard. You smell all the glasses <laughs> because, so because it gets we moved up from useless talent to weird shit. Yeah, right. whatever, whatever you know. Like, and I don't and I don't no. I don't eat anything before I smell. It. I don't all think right. that's weird at all. I, I do the same thing. Like I always sniff the glass before I pour anything into it. <laughs> I got all you fuckers beat, man. I do the weirdest thing, and I, and I haven't done it yet, but I will when we get off air. So it's oh, literally, boy. I take. I, I fucked up as it sounds. I, I have to take my thumbs and I put them behind my ears because I feel like my ears are sweating. Ah. <laughs> and then, of course, like anybody else, I always go. And then anyway else, I'm like, do I need a shower? 
Let's take a little oh, sniff. <laughs> as fucked up as that is, that's what I do, man. Uh, so if you ever see me do one of these numbers and kind of do it across my ear, you know what the fuck I'm doing, right so there. You don't do the double arm. You don't do the double arm. Oh yeah. no, I don't do the other arm and go like this. No, I don't, I don't do the Superman <laughs> smell. Superstar, no, superstar. <laughs> no, I do not do the super style smell. But uh, yeah, it's real. That's a fucked up, useless thing that I do, and I just I can't get it out of my damn mind. I've done it for like fucking forty years. It seems like, but um. I think so, Eric, I think Eric's sniffing your fingers. <laughs> That's I what think, I'm doing right now. I just went. I know. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I don't have to shower yet. I'm good. <laughs> I, th- I think for Eric, we should ask him what his useful trait is because that would be a shorter list. <laughs> oh, here we go. I told you the gloves came off. I, it's, it's, it's okay. Eighth grade math education. <laughs> Listen, um, <laughs> I don't think I don't think I have a useless talent. I guess now for me would be playing hockey. I mean, because it's all up here, but. My body is not going to work anymore. Right. I'm yeah. not going to be able to skate. I'm not going to be able to do more than half the things I used to be able to do when I played. So, yeah, I'd say ice hockey. All right. Yeah. Simple, easy. All right, guys. The next question I have. Okay. So, what's the most fair? I'm going to start with you. What's the most trouble you've ever gotten into? It could be with the, the law most- or without the law. It could be anything. So, <laughs> what's the most trouble I've gotten into? Mm-hmm. Like with the law? Just whatever you, whatever, like, let's, all right, let's just I mean, say, yeah, it can be anything. It can be anything. What's the worst trouble you feel like you've ever been at, like you've ever been, uh, well, gotten into? My parent, okay. Let's just say it, I've spent a night in tent city under Sheriff Joe in, in Phoenix. Oh, <laughs> tent city. Um, oh, please do tell. What the hell did you do? Catholic school upbringing. I've been stood in a trash can for, uh, talking back to a nun oh, and I would get stood up in a trash can facing the corner all the time so i mean uh what's the most trouble i've gotten into probably you can top that i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> staying in 10 city but hell i still got one more bitches watch this i have quite a few other things <laughs> all right mr riot what about you uh the most trouble i've ever been in um on, on my own or with furrow like in, tr- in trouble with Sarah. <laughs> Be careful where you go with this, my friend. Be careful where you go with this. Uh, actually, I haven't, haven't been in any real hot water with Sarah, which is nice. Which is yeah. nice. She's one of the most patient people uh, that I know. And he's one of the most. Until after the show. Uh, right. Well, I'm in the other building for a reason. No. Right, exactly. <laughs> no. Um, honestly, I mean, so probably in... 2004 mm-hmm. i was might have been might have been 20 it's 2004 or 2009 i was in florida and um it was saint patrick's day and it always starts with saint patty's day we, always but go <laughs> we were downtown and um walking out of i don't know i don't know the names of any places down there because i haven't lived, lived there in right. 30 years or whatever but right we're coming out and um there was this this guy that like threw his girlfriend on the ground and I grabbed him up and right <laughs> dun, dun, when I dun. grabbed him up, two huge female cops cuffed me and stuffed me and took me downtown. For defending the female. And the guy apparently was like someone they were looking for or whatever. And so they put me in the car and the guy driving the car is like, this is ridiculous. I can't believe you're in the car right now. And so I spent the night in the drunk tank. So it was the guy that you threw down sister, which it was his girlfriend. Got it. 
Okay. I mean, it is Polk County. Because <laughs> it was in Polk County. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> <laughs> you do realize they're all related, damn it. <laughs> and I guarantee you I know the bar. It was probably Molly's, an Irish pub. It probably was. Yeah. If it was an Irish pub, it's it, back then, I think that was really the only bar besides, like, I think Hurricane Alley that was across yeah, the street probably. at the time, probably. which has closed since then. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Rest in peace, Hurricane Alley. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it. Okay, so I know the guys are probably itching to ask a question too, but I got one more because I got to know this. If you could pick one band member to not leave alone with your girlfriend, who would it be and why? Don't leave your girl with Motley Crue. <laughs> yeah, don't leave your girl with Greg because they'll fuck her. <laughs> Motley Crue, don't do that. <laughs> I can take care of myself. I can take care of myself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't even know. <laughs> It'd be Farah. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> Don't leave her alone with Farrah. your girlfriend. Yeah, no, Farah, no, no. I, honestly, I. Are they you, all a bunch of good guys? Is that all bullshit? Like how this, rock and roll is now. You, you know, it's so different out there now. It's like, yeah. right. I mean, both the guys are married. One of them just had a baby. No, oh, okay. You know, there's no like. We're, the sex we're like, drugs and we, rock and roll finished, like the 80s. Now we finished our show. Let's go back and go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> no, and also I think at the end of the day, um, that image that's there with rock and roll. Yeah. In the 80s, guys did. They were on the road for nine months of the year. Their wives and children were at home, you know, so all of this was so accessible. It was rock and roll. Now families are going along. And, right. and people realize the longevity and the, the energy levels that they have are not going to sustain like they did in, for all those mega stars. You know, it's like modeling. You had supermodels back in the 80s. There are no supermodels anymore. They, really? That's not really? That's a breed of rock and roll that no longer exists, yeah. I believe. It cannot be replicated again. So <clears throat> I think at the end of the day, I know Jason knows that if I was – ever with left in a room with a band of a bunch of sleaze bags, I would probably there kick their ass. That's so a fact. Like, I, can, I can already tell. Like, yeah, it's like, <laughs> fuck off. Second of all, you want your balls on the ground right yeah. now. You get, I mean, it's just this thing that happens with, with the men around me. And it's right. just, you know, and yeah, but you're the, also a very powerful front person too. So that makes it that, I mean, I think that makes, uh, makes you who you are too as well, because you have to be a strong minded strong-willed person to be in that front with that microphone you know because everybody hones in on you because you're singing you know right. what i mean so right. it'd be i could see where that is like that the demand for respect kind right. of deal you know exactly and i'm not out there to get the attention the thing is right. there's so many women out there who are doing it. so i think there's a new precedence i want to set that there awesome. is intelligence there is there is strength there is you know right you, you guys, do you have anything for them? Any, oh, yeah, I, any, I, any fucked up question? <laughs> oh, no, no. I, I don't have a fucked up question. I just have a, just a random non-music question for you, too. So Arizona, um, Mesa, are you familiar? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay, and there's, there's one other city that's close to Mesa, and they're famous for that mountain that you climb where you get prickly pear ice cream. Have you ever had it? I've never, oh, I've had I've never had prickly I've pear had. ice cream. I've had prickly pear jam, mm -hmm. not it's, from the place where you're. It's delicious. 
I'm just saying they need to bring they, they need to bring it out this say, way. If you guys go up there, please box up some and ship it to his ass. I knew where he was going with it. I knew where he was going with it. <laughs> the king of food you over know, there. You know, that's your address. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. He'll, it'll be in your inbox after the show. I promise you. He'll be like, you see Prickly Bear? Give me some. Uh, awesome. uh No, I'm, I'm good. So I just wanted to bring up, we haven't mentioned their names. So I just wanted to say Kyle Christian, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Now he is uh, playing. He's your bassist, mm-hmm. yes, right? And um, you know, when I was looking on the website and things like that, uh, did he have any? Um, did he play with any other uh, musicians throughout his career, or was it somebody? Was it just a pickup that you guys had? Uh, no, he was with uh, Honey. Was he with Crowning? Yeah, he had a project um, called Crowning Thieves uh, previously, mm-hmm. and. That's actually how I met him. He and I have been friends for probably, I don't know, five five years or so. Mm-hmm. And um, super, super talented, super talented guy. And, uh, you know, that thing just kind of ran its course. And uh, I'd, I'd spoken to him actually before and said, hey, if this ever, you know, would you be, if this ever stops or whatever, would you be interested in um playing guitar and then the first time it's kind of like oh you know it may, maybe whatever whatever he was still trying <laughs> to do that thing and then it was again sometime after that and i i think it was maybe at his last show and and i said hey you know the offer's still there and um i said if you ever want to play guitar you know we're thinking about having two guitars instead of one and he just looked me dead in the face and goes can i just play bass <laughs> and and I'm like, if, if you'd be happy playing bass, sure. Because he was a guitar player, singer, frontman in his other project. Right. You're a fantastic one at that. Oh, yeah. 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 Fantastic mean, one at that. And so, you know, so then we, he said he wanted to entertain the idea. And we brought him up to the house and for, interviewed him. We showed him some songs. And in, in true fair fashion, He's like, yeah, I'm interested. And she's like, okay, well, let's shake on that. And and we did. And then the rest with him is kind of history. It's a good fit too, man. I mean, because yeah. that really, it's, it's a good fit. Yeah. Now, now I know Chris, uh, I was looking at um, um, his profile and he was, uh, he basically studied under uh, Joe Morris. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, um, so in um, with Stevie, Stevie Vai, Whitney Houston, Esteban, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how did you guys, uh, how did you guys meet with that one too, as well? That was Jason again. He knew Chris. Yeah. So I like Jason's got the contacts, man. Let me tell you. Well, the, thing, <laughs> the funny thing is Farrah knew both of them too, just in a different way. I knew way. both of them too. Yeah. In a different way. Yeah. yeah from, from just going to shows, you know? Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I spent some time before I met Farrah, I was managing bands and then I was out of it for a while. And then the year before, I met Farrah. I was kind of back in the scene in Phoenix just as a spectator. And that's kind of when I met all these people. And Chris um, works in a couple of different venues as a front house engineer and, and was part of a circle of people that I was seeing kind of regularly out at shows. And we just kind of became friends. And then as we were going through the studio process, you know, we had a few different guys on tap because it was just Farrah and Larry and myself in the writing process. And uh, so we were like, well, we need to find a new, another drummer. And so we, we had a few different people we were looking at and they kind of were yeah. not working out. 
And then, uh, and then Larry's like, well, I can get Ben to play on the record uh, from nothing more. And so he called Ben because Ben was his uh, intern at his studio when Ben was young. So Ben played on the record, but obviously he can't be in the band because he's in nothing more. And, right. um, and so then we had a guy that fell through and then we went to an event fair and I did. And Chris happened to be running sound that night. And I, and I went, ah, Chris. And so I just mentioned it to Chris and then a couple of weeks went by and we yeah, got and connected we and fair yeah. auditioned him and was like, okay. You know, and, and by audition, I mean an interview because it's more yeah. about because yeah, you already knew he knew how to play. So, yeah. well, not even that. I think uh, for me, it's, are we going to be able to spend nine months of the year in a bus and not kill each other and <laughs> also present ourselves as a unit up on stage, mm. just in our energy points. And so that's usually for the first part of my interview that happens with the guys. I'm like, you know what? I wouldn't even be approaching you if you weren't a good musician, right. but here's the first part of the interview. Let's see if you can go through this part. And I'm sure it's not all sunshine and rainbows either. I mean, you know, you guys, no. I mean, obviously you have your moments. Everybody has a bad day or a good day. Yeah. So, I mean, how do you guys normally cope with that too before we uh, jet out of here? Um, you know, it's funny. We are quite new. The thing is the four of us together are quite new. And right. so we're Still the honeymoon with- phase. <laughs> no, 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 no. There was no honeymoon phase. We just got right into to doing yeah, it. Because no Basically, the trajectory is straight vertical for us. We don't okay. have 10 years to build, uh, become a local band. We are literally going straight. Uh, it's a vertical rise for us. Awesome. So basically, I, I, I told the guys, I said, here's the deal. I said, when, when I notice that we are not gelling somewhere, I'm going to take the time out and we're going to work this shit out. Mm-hmm. Because if we don't, we don't have 10 years to work this, be, become psychological about it and get, get therapy and be you know emotional about it. There's no time for emotionalism. We are going to the top, take care of your shit. And, you know, so, you know, they're, they're learning to take care of things in their own homes. Um, we're just working it out right now. And so, fantastic, yeah, well, that's awesome. Yeah. So Jason, before we roll up out of here, tell everybody where they can find you uh, as far as your website, your socials and your downloads. Where, where can, where can we find this, uh, this awesome music? For sure. For sure. So our website is fading You can find us on Instagram at, at Fading Nemesis, and that'll put you up to anybody else that you want to see that's part of the project. Facebook is at Fading Nemesis, and uh, we're streaming on all platforms, Spotify, Apple Music, uh, Deezer, Amazon, all the streaming platforms, and also on YouTube. Uh, Queen of Blame videos there, all our shorts are there, it's great content. Uh, Oh yeah. You know, obviously like, share, subscribe, you know, Follow, download, say playlist across all the <laughs> platforms. And again, we got the new single dropping on Friday. A ton more right. exciting stuff to come. Uh, we're just not ready to announce it yet. Uh, <laughs> leaving a cliffhanger right at the end, huh, oh, guys? Yeah. <laughs> the old cock tease you. <laughs> yeah, no shit. What a cock tease. <laughs> so before we get out of here, guys, uh, don't forget to follow us at thedailybm.com. You can go to our website, check us out. We also have uh, promotional T-shirts at 20 bucks. Come on, don't be cheap. Get in there, buy one, help us out. Uh, also, visit our socials on the Tiki Talk and on the Tweet Machine at underscore the Daily BM. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at the Daily BM. Mikey! You got anything before we get out of here? I uh, just really appreciate having you guys on the show. 
Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. Uh, Eric, got anything? Yeah, thank you guys very much for taking the time for us on our little program here. Uh, It's actually quite entertaining and uh, quite knowledgeable. Learned of gained a bunch of knowledge about the rock industry that I had no idea about. That's right. And again, Jason, thank you so much for coming on. Farah, the lovely Farah, thank you for coming on as well. And uh, guys, we'll catch you all on the flip side. All right. See you next time. See you.